0: Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, and by DieHard. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. And we're having just more fun than a body should have. But John Davis here. Welcome. Thank you, Alec Webb, to our MotorWeek podcast number one two zero one hundred twenty. 120 Uh, In Studio C at MotorWeek World Headquarters, I have writer-producer Brian Robinson with us. Hello. And our over-the-edge reporter, Zach Maskell. Hello. And our writer, Patrick Lucas.
1: Hello. We're all here
0: today to give you our (laughs) opinions and our rants and our raves and a lightning round and a viewer question and whatever else we can find to fill uh, the time uh, today and, but let's start with the cars that's what everybody wants to to know about and we've got some doozies that we are doozies. in the process of testing you like that word brian i do I just, like doozies
2: <laughs> turn into motor week you'll All hear right. that again You're sometime very soon we promise
0: 2016 mazda mx5 otherwise known as the miata okay finally here finally driven it
1: what do you think and there's a silence. Yeah. Well, Speechless. Go ahead.
2: You have spent a lot more time on that.
1: Um, I spent a lot more time. I drove for about a half hour. <laughs> no, um, I thought it was awesome. Um, you know, the look is. You know, I don't really care because Miata's <laughs> be in the past. Uh, I've always, I was, you know, when I was like growing up, everyone was like, ah, oh, that's such like a that's a, that's, it, that's a so cute, so yeah, exactly, that's a chick car or something like that, but. I don't even care at this one because I've driven them and I know how much fun they are, so I could care less what this one looks like. But I it think this pretty. But I it think this looks
0: more like a uh, a German, a BMW. It does. Yeah, Zach and I were looking. Yeah. Video it's still yesterday. friendly in the
1: front. Though. Yeah, it's still got a yeah, big but, smile on there. So it looks cool. Uh, the interior. I thought in the video I was like, wow, they really stepped it up. But you get in, it's still. Yeah,
0: it's still pretty basic. Not in a bad way, but yeah.
1: hard plastics. Uh, doesn't no glove cheap. box. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah. Um, but so much fun to drive.
0: As as an owner of the first generation car, I got in it and I thought, felt instantly at home. I mean, the round air vents, the basic T uh, dash layout, uh, the little glove box uh, area behind the seats. I mean, you looked at it and said, "This really, they really have stayed amazingly true to the formula." Uh, Not that it drives like a a British roadster from the fifties and sixties at all. But I will say, compared to my long-ago car, uh, much more solid chassis. And even though we complain about not having a lot of power, a lot more power than the the early Miatas. Great little shifter that falls to hand. Uh, Light steering uh, didn't seem to bother some of you guys as much as it did me. I
1: did. That was the only thing I noticed, like, right away, was steering kind of – Almost went dead when I was going through turns a little bit.
0: It's it's electric, mm-hmm. and we all know everybody's going to it. There's a little bit of feel, but I th- I just thought it was too light. Like it, uh, now, Greg, who drove it at the track, he thought it felt pretty good.
1: Well, um, he was probably. Going at faster speeds yeah. and pulling some more G's. I was just kind of cruising around <laughs> back there. I also
0: remember a bit thicker steering wheel that you could grab onto, but I mean, this is pretty nitpicking stuff. It's a great little car. You just love getting in it and driving it.
2: Definitely not as back to basics as it used to be. They got a lot more creature comforts in there now. Uh, the big touchscreen sitting right on top of the dash. But, uh, Which
0: yours truly kept punching and it did nothing. So I didn't yeah. think it was a touchscreen there for <laughs> just a while. got sneak that one in. <laughs> Well, you know, a little, little ignorance yeah. is bliss here. Um, but you when – you, when I saw it in person, I had seen it obviously at the auto shows and everything. I think it surprised me that it looked actually better on the road than it did sitting in a display. I just love getting in there and then just reaching up and folding oh, the top back like it's
2: great nothing. Great top and you're like, mechanism. Why would you put a power top in and spend all that money and... In- Wasted space when you could just design a top that's this easy to operate.
0: So. Yeah, and they have, the. it does roll the windows down a little bit automatically, so it gives you a little bit of help. But yeah, I mean, it takes like, what, three seconds mm-hmm. to lower the top and, and slap it into, into its spot? Right. And the trunk is much more useful than it used to be. You think yeah. so? Yeah, I really did. Yeah, I thought it was, I got a couple of, tested it with a couple of bags last night and thought, I know for a fact I couldn't have gotten this into the old car. So mm-hmm. it's still not much. I right. mean, you're still. So I think the numbers. Light.
2: I was trying to confirm that the numbers say that it's actually smaller.
0: It looks deeper. smaller wheelbase. It seems a little yeah. deeper to, right. to me. I think little, it's shorter and wider. Yeah, I'm talking
2: about the trunk uh. spe- uh, specifically.
0: The old car is, or and the previous generation seemed to be very height challenged in the trunk, so it might not have mm. more space. But it seemed to be like you could get stuff down into mm. it. But that was just an impression from last night.
1: This is a lot of focus on the trunk.
0: you open the you open the but People right, let's go in the, let's go the other <laughs> end you open the hood, and what do you see? You see a real motor, no plastic uh covering, you know four spark plugs uh, wires sitting there on top and i mean it 's like yeah it, you've forgotten what a good little looking little motor it this
2: guy like. active G, and they were able to, to take out hundred and fifty pounds out of the car i think that 's worth mentioning mm hmm So uh, it's like 2,300 pounds now with the manual trans.
1: 155 horsepower, right? No, it's Uh, uh, it's 150 or 155? I think that's right. Which
0: felt, I mean, compared to my old car, felt terrific. But what is Alfa Romeo going to do to one-up this car? I mean, if if they're going to bring out basically a version that's based on the same chassis, you have to think, how can they best this? Because you know it's going to be more
1: expensive.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously they'll have a more attractive body probably. They'll have better materials inside. That would probably be the two areas. No
1: that, power steering. Oh, no, I don't
2: know. That's <laughs> not going <that'd> be <laughs> yeah. That would be
0: pretty tough to haul around. Yeah,
2: electric power steering is going to be in every car. Oh, yeah. 4C, you
1: know. right? Yeah. Well, the yeah, but dozen.
0: you don't have any weight over the front wheels there with the with the engine in the back. That's a big yeah. difference. But I, you know jump in i just think it's a home run and of course i think they do they already know that probably i mean cool you car
3: you miata guys and girls out there you're uh you are enthusiasts i'll tell you that and um you're not going to be disappointed with this thing it's got tons of low end torque and um you know that's i don't really think that can be said for previous generations quite you as much you would
2: use the word tons of low end
3: well
0: more adequate more, um, than, more than adequate <laughs> yes <laughs>
2: Yeah, Greg's um, comments from the track were actually pretty... Uh, very favorable. ...on the engine, yeah. Yeah. So, uh.
0: yeah, and he he mentioned, too, that this is an old-style front-engine, rear-drive, lightweight, you know, over-the-rear-end roadster. So if you basically go in too hot, you're going to meet your tail end coming around. Well, that's what it You what know, it, really it makes wants. it a lot of fun to drive. <laughs> but most of the cars we drive today are far more forgiving than that. And so this is you know that part of the character of the car seems to have been maintained.
2: Little a uh, little more on the price obviously with all the mm-hmm. new stuff but they've uh, a lot more features obviously. They've combined stuff like the club trim now comes with a used to have to upgrade further for the handling package to get the uh, Bilstein dampers and all that that all comes with the club package now so
0: but glad we had a chance to uh, sample it out. Our road test was uh, basically uh, uh, an absolute pleasure to execute. Hmm. Mazda MX-5 Mm-hmm. okay moving on now to a car that Zach has just a uh, vehicle that Je- Zach has just come back from the West Coast to have a sample in our friends at Mitsubishi are still at it with another outlander for 2016 much changed more of the same what would you say what say you what say you well I
3: say there's over hundred improvements or so I'm told from uh, last year's model that's, that's a, a good that,
0: start that's a good start <laughs> okay that's marketing <laughs> wow. speed we, we got can it. we go through them one <laughs> well, by one yeah
3: um, actually, Don't everybody
0: uh, throw Murph balls at him at once. I wouldn't have been
3: surprised if we heard everyone, but uh, they definitely got detailed for us. And, um, you know, it really did actually help to kind of notice some of the stuff. You know, the doors shut a little bit with more of a, um, you, know, like you know, a good thud when you know you're like in. a bank vault. Exactly. and Well, not quite, but yeah. they, they shut better. Uh, they really did listen to customers and what they had to say because one of the main things i think that we could all agree is the lousy cvt in the four-cylinder and um the really loud cabin noise and wind noise so they went in there and they put in a whole lot of sound dampening material i mean they said they even put this stuff behind um like the side view mirrors hmm. and you can really tell a difference because they actually put us in the 15 and then directly after right into the 16 so you know, for those of us that hadn't driven one in a while, could compare. But, you know, we're all pretty familiar here. We've got the Sport in right now. and Which
0: is a great little workhorse. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of like the unsung hero of our, our long-term fleet. It's, yeah, and it's,
3: it's not bad. I mean, uh those engines, by the way, carry over. The inline-four and the V6 both carry over. Um, I will tell you that the V6 does feel underpowered. Um, it's good. It's up to 3,500 pounds towing capability so that's nice but that's otherwise most
0: vehicles in its class
3: and for you know a cheaper price and mm-hmm. you can upgrade to leather for one of the cheapest prices um
0: did they say anything about this um hybrid vehicle that they've had a lot of press especially in europe and when it's going to come here
1: no there yeah. wasn't much talk about that at all Hey, you know what i did notice zach which probably you could tell us a little more about um <laughs> The back seats. Hey, the back seats. <laughs> the third yeah. row or the they, back?
0: They, oh, that sounds like that was a planned exchange. <laughs> no, so no, no, it not. certainly
1: <laughs> wasn't. Um, the second row, I noticed it was almost like the uh, Honda Magic, oh, seat Magic kind of thing, seat. wasn't it? Oh, yeah, really?
3: the third row, really nothing's changed because they say people aren't going to be using that that often. But uh second row, yeah, it's just. One pull, two pull, three pull, it's down. So, you know, it just took me a couple seconds. But last year's model, there was, like, certain levers underneath the seat and this and that. But now there's just a couple Simplified. little... Right,
1: and the cushion... How is that, like, the magic The seat cushion, cushion folds forward, and then the seat back...
2: That's not that's at all it. like the Magic seat. It, it isn't? <laughs> no. I don't know.
1: Uh, that's actually old style. That's, that's just that's the poor, yeah. yeah.
0: But it does give you a I'll, flat. I'll show
1: myself out. Now. But that does give <laughs> you a flat floor. Yeah. yeah. yeah that, it does. That's
0: the nice thing about that. I mean, that's a, a style of seat folding that's pretty much gone away, but it gives you a flat floor. Yeah. Do
2: you have to remove the headrest? No. When oh, you yeah. pull
3: on the lever. And that's even better. Or yeah. It's not even a lever. What would you call it? It's, it,
1: just like, a, it's like a strap. Yeah, strap. it's just
3: a strap. You just pull on the strap. Headrest goes right down and then your next step is the bottom. The bottom goes up to the driver's seat, and then the uh, whole back folds right down. I and think then uh,
2: somebody's flies. got a similar. Is it the RAV4 that is a similar? I'm, sp- I'm sure Or maybe it is the CRV. I don't know. But
0: that was at one time kind of like the standard. <laughs> so what is the magic seat then? The or magic, sho- magic about seat later? folds up. Well, the seat
2: cushion folds up towards the towards the back. That's what. So, so you, you can get
0: large things, tall things, tall, side. thin items into okay, okay. the side. No, right. not the seat cushion folding towards the front yeah. so you fold it back. This goes the opposite right. way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All
1: right. I see. And so
0: far, I don't think anybody else has adopted. Probably by, probably not allowed to. Hmm. Okay. So Mitsubishi Outlander, it um, <laughs> it's amazing to me that Mitsubishi has remained in the market. I know that a lot of people are very sad to see uh, their car-based vehicles go away, uh, uh, and especially the performance, young performance crowd. Yeah, yeah, I mean the Evo. Mm-hmm. their you know, car is just a huge, they uh,
2: cult vehicle. The car-based vehicles aren't going away, right? They just put out the Mirage, right?
0: Well, they put the out Mirage? the Mirage, but but, like there's, but there's not going to. My understanding is there's no new Evo in the works. Uh, so no, they no. they're only
3: going to be making like $1,800, eighteen hundred, nineteen hundred of them yeah. uh, around September, and then that's it. And then that's it. Right. So we're pretty sure. So the
0: Lancer is gone, basically. That's based on, right? Yeah, at least in this country. For now, so, we'll it see. It looks like they're concentrating mostly on the SUVs or the crossovers. Okay, let's move on to a car that really isn't a crossover at all, in any stretch of the word. The 2015 BMW 2 Series convertible. Um, one of the um, rare four seat convertibles uh, that we have. feel like we, we talked about this already. Didn't we talk about this? The already? 228? Yeah. Wherever
2: you, you been? drive it. I drove it.
0: Yeah.
3: we talked about it on the podcast. Oh, I th- did we
2: now? I think yeah. we
0: talked about it a little bit but before we actually had the car in here. I think we uh-huh. talked about it after the preview. Any uh, impressions? I mean, this car has been uh, its pretty familiar to us now. I was surprised how roomy it was. I mean, this is still basically the, uh, the one series reborn.
2: Yeah. Um, I haven't spent a whole lot of time in it, but I enjoyed the time that I spent in it um it didn't seem over the top for Mm-mm. for uh, bmw at all um it almost to me feels well the 2 series in general 1 series whatever whatever sub 3 series you're driving these days um feels to me like everyone thinks the 3 series should feel I mean it just has a great very natural hard no I wouldn't say hardcore just a very natural feel It uh, just good balance uh, yeah it makes you you enjoy driving it and the thing it starts at like 38 which seems great but then you know
1: Our ours f- is
0: what 50 53 yeah, yeah know. Know, it's, like, it's a lot of uh, money
1: I got spoiled by the uh, M235i we had in uh-huh. yeah so i don't know no, nothing else in the 2 series lineup it really lives lives up well, to that. Well you can get me. an M235 component. I know i'm yeah, just yeah, saying yeah. i'm just saying this was a 228 228 okay. which i thought
2: was plenty of power yeah, it's like 250 I, yeah, I mean, i'm not yeah.
1: doubting. I, the power was fine but i just didn't it didn't feel as substantial you as can only get the be.
2: automatic in the 228, though, which I think yeah, is a huge a mistake. Yeah. And you can not get all-wheel drive if that matters at all to you. But, uh, yeah, I would love to see a 228 manual. I think that would be the ticket.
0: Okay. BMW 2 Series. A little bit bigger than it was before. A little bit more room in the back seat. A little bit sharper styling. Part of the BMW's new number uh, numbering system of nomenclature. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a very nice-looking car. It did, you, your over-the-top comment not being over-the-top was well-placed. It's like one of the few BMWs Score. I've seen lately that, that just wasn't polarizing. Yeah, looking car.
3: and the steering doesn't feel synthetic. The whole car itself. Oh, and
0: thank you for a, a good, well-working cloth top, just like the MX-5. You know, no big uh, hard top. You've got to find space for or anything else. Well, it's power operated. Yeah, it's okay.
2: power operated. Probably, but at at least, least it works it, fine. What's at I bought it's a BMW, not big, I'm not going to put
1: it down you know. myself.
0: No, yeah. I understand the need for it. <laughs> yeah. Plus, there's the back
2: seat. You couldn't. Reach. Can't reach it. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. But at least no. You know, I like hard top convertibles, but there's so many compromises with space and everything else.
3: Yeah, and it's pretty quiet underneath that cloth mm-hmm. too.
2: I thought so. Uh, the rear seats are best for luggage, unless yeah. you really want to punish a couple. Kids back there are friends. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's better than it was. Okay. Uh, moving on, before we move to our lightning round, I want to pause a second to give you what you normally hear in uh, public television, and that is a little pause for uh, a break to talk about uh, donating. In this case, if you're in the Chesapeake Bay region, uh, our uh, Maryland public television area of northern Virginia, southern Pennsylvania, Delaware, or Maryland, of course, Um We'd like you to think about donating that unused vehicle to MPT. Uh, Motor Week has an MPT program where we look for vehicles that uh, we can basically resell and uh, use the proceeds to help Maryland Public TV. And of course, that means Motor Week as well. Keep fabulous we accept, programming like Motor Week. Yeah. Just to keep fabulous yeah. programming. There like you go. Motor All Week the quality going. programming. That's the pitch. Yeah. You've been, keep you've going. been listening. Uh, we do accept most vehicles, including uh, cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, and if you've got something else on your on your lot, let us know, and we'll talk to you about it. Uh, two things to remember. One is a phone call. One's a website. If you're interested in donating your vehicle to MPT, at 888-777-9633. The number again, 888-777-9633. That number goes directly to Patrick, is that correct? That's correct. <laughs> Into yeah, his office, you can speak to Patrick <laughs> Lucas himself. Or easier, folks, is go to the website, mpt.org, uh, and look for the Donate button. And uh, if you've got that vehicle, we'd love to take it off your hands.
3: We'll take golf carts, too. Uh, I think yeah, we and probably trailers. Will. Maybe I could use More one of them. We'll think about it.
0: Now it's time for our lightning round. Our panelists have two minutes to debate a trending automotive topic. When it's up, they'll hear the bell. All right. Mm. There's been a lot of rumbling lately about mergers within the auto industry. Most notably, Sergio of Fiat Chrysler is rumored to be heavily pursuing GM as a partner. As a matter of fact, even this week he was trying to get investors in GM and Chrysler to hound them about it. GM has said, no thank you, but... His point maybe is one that can't be ignored. He thinks that there needs to be a lot more consolidation in the auto world uh, going forward because of the enormous cost in developing new cars. That Smaller companies like Fiat Chrysler and, by extension, people like Honda uh, won't be able to go it alone. What do you think?
2: Well, we've already seen it happening in a smaller scale. I mean, Toyota's working with everybody. They you Ma-
0: 16% of Subaru. Yeah, and Mazda. Uh, Has a tie up.
2: So yeah. almost a, even Ford and GM or what they're going together in a trans, that mm-hmm. 10 speed trans. I mean, everybody's working with somebody to, you know, help lower development costs and share what they can. As far as, I mean, is this like an actual merger? They want to actually that's
3: merge? Just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, not a partnering, happening. right? No, they, it's, they, it's a full merge.
0: And that's what I guess where I stopped and say, Since everybody, you know, it used to be that car companies couldn't cooperate with each other because there were antitrust issues. That seems to be pretty much gone by the wayside because nobody's got a dominant share of the market anymore. So all this partnering seems to be working out pretty well. Why doesn't he just pursue more of that? I don't really know. Let's get him on the phone. <laughs> but uh, he is uh, very aggressive on it. Would the world be a better place if there were fewer independent car companies? Let's ask you the question from the other way. I,
1: I just think it'd be weird for, in terms of innovation, right? That's where innovation comes from: is two or similar technologies, but one is developed better. What if you just had, if you had all these companies working together on one thing? There really wouldn't be rivalry, right? innovation i
0: think there's something to be made from that i mean you do have volkswagen who seems to own more brands uh, these days than anyone else and you could argue yes that has helped them become if not number one number two uh sized automaker in the world but it certainly hasn't helped them with sales in this country uh where they still seem to lag so i'm not sure that size i mean we've learned from the past that size is actually a detriment look at GM and look at Toyota with all of its
1: problems.
2: You know, I think the fewer choices you have is always a bad thing. You always want more
0: choices. Competition breeds better products.
1: Yeah, and uh, this is kind of similar. Um, Ford, I think, in the headlines, they're selling patents for their, I think their EV technology, battery technology or something like that. And I think that's still a big piece of business that I would imagine car companies want, is Mm -hmm. being the first to innovate and discover these things Patent them and then sell them to other car companies.
0: So, Mr. Markioni, I guess our uh, considered opinion, for what it's worth, and probably not a lot, is that uh, you've got a very good company there, and you might be better off making partnerships and going it alone. I don't remember us saying that.
3: Well, as Pat Goss would say, do not do
0: it. Do not do it. Don't. Don't do it. it. (laughs) All right, moving on now to let's talk our viewer question. Uh, Nita writes. My air conditioning starts off blowing hot air, just like most of us here at Motor Week, (laughs) and gets cooler once... It reaches 40 uh, miles per hour. Much it's like me. I got much cooler when I reached 40. <laughs> <laughs> do, do I need Freon or whatever coolant's in it? And it may not be Freon. Or do I have a major problem? Okay, Actually, Nita. I
3: disagree, Brian. You used to have a ponytail, uh-huh. and that thing yeah, was killer. <laughs> like, I, you looked way cooler before uh, 40. My so. bad. Uh, I mean, if you could grow that back, we'll give you I
0: have the opposite problem. Now, come on. Nita, Nita, uh, Nita has ask us a serious question. Okay, Nita. Do you have coolant? Air conditioning systems are not things to be trifled with by mere mortals. You need to basically have somebody that knows the system look at it. Chances are you might be just low on coolant, but it's really difficult to tell, and there's a lot of do-it-yourself kits out there. You
1: mean that as seen on TV, Uh uh, coolant, refill, uh, spray can, that doesn't work?
0: No, it does work under certain conditions, but the problem is, and this is – basically, Pat Goss talking here, is that if you get too much or too little coolant, you basically can cause the system to not function properly. And those cans, while they have some limited capabilities, uh, only measure one side of the system, uh, the low side, not the high side. And it, and it may be a Band-Aid. And it may be a Band-Aid for what the real problem is. Now, well, here's yeah. something. Yeah, oh, okay. Go ahead. I was
2: just saying not to mention they're a closed system. So if you are low and free on Freon, there's a reason that you're low. You've lost some. You've leaked it out somewhere. Oh, there's it's probably leaking. a bigger issue. You put some in there and it's, it might work for a while, but there's there's a bigger issue there, I would think.
0: And you do risk some possible damage to the system if you do it poorly. And I, I, I know I have done it myself in the past. And generally, I can tell you it's a Band-Aid. So our advice is to talk to your friends. Find someone that's a reputable mechanic that specializes in air conditioning systems. And today, it is a specialty. Uh, and uh, have them take a look. Chances are they'll uh, give you an estimate without actually doing the repairs and uh, be able to find a reasonable way to fix it. But it's, it could be something. You know what? It could be as simple as the valve caps on the system. They are actually, as uh, I learned recently, are the primary way of sealing an air conditioning system is the little valve caps over the valves. And it could be nothing more than just needing a couple new of those. So,
3: or it could need a compressor that's mm-hmm. going to take hours to do and get he, a couple quotes from different places. That to my Audi.
0: Yeah, I mean, it can be expensive or it can be simple, but uh, probably not a do-it-yourself job. That's our best advice. Sorry, Anita. Sorry yeah, for the bad sorry news. Sorry we couldn't help you a little bit more. Uh,
2: Maybe you could donate that car to, <laughs> to
0: And that <laughs> number <MPT>. again is <laughs> right, uh, Rant and Rave. Uh, any rants and raves. I'll, let's lead off on something that oh. that Nita just said. You know, the, our cars just becoming so horribly complicated that every problem is going to be a major problem. Where are we headed with this stuff?
1: Well, I mean, I like the cars are complicated because when they work correctly, they're fabulous, amazing pieces of technology and engineering and all that. But and yeah, I mean, things things break i get it i mean sometimes it's expensive yeah but you know things happen
2: there are fewer and fewer things that you can do yourself but things break on uh,
0: i don't care what brand it is yeah but i
2: think they you know things last a lot longer than they used to too so there's not as much work that needs to be done so
0: all right now here's the here's the uh you know when i was our age Back in the 60s, in 1964, my father bought a 1964 Ford Galaxy 500, had every bell and his whistle on it known to man. People don't realize how much better cars are today. By the time that car got 20,000 miles on it, absolutely everything that could be replaced had to be replaced. <laughs> Yikes. You know, the tires were, had long been replaced. Shock absorbers, belts, um, muffler systems. uh you name it, the, uh, the generator. You didn't even have alternators yet. Everything in that car by nineteen to twenty thousand miles was shot. And okay, that was fifty years ago. But look how now. You know, we talk about 80, 90, 100, 120,000 miles. People, you know, starting doing their first so-called tune-up at that stage. Um, by that time, I think by twenty thousand, we'd had it tuned up at least twice.
1: Yeah, uh, that's that's the trade-off. I yeah. mean, they last longer, but. They're more expensive when they do break. Yeah, I'd still like to be able to fix the things that break myself.
0: And you are—you are the closest thing to a shade tree mechanic we have. You are Zach. You Mm -hmm. Zach basically does a lot of 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 credit here. we see what uh, you come come driving to work in.
3: I mean, AC units in the parking lot. You know, they're always going to break. But I just feel like on the newer ones, it's going to take me longer to get under there and look at it as it is. Uh, So, I mean. You guys know where my stance is with
0: all that. There is an interesting point of view, which Pat Goss is not here to talk for himself, but his whole philosophy about car repair and why he's so good at diagnosing problems is that he sits down to understand how things work first, and then from there he's able to diagnose a problem. It's a good way to look at it, and maybe as all this stuff gets more and more sophisticated, we just have to do our homework a little bit longer and figure out how they work.
3: I'm not an
1: engineer anywhere close to it, so... Well, just count me out. I'm not, yeah, I mean, so, I'm look not so sure much,
0: being an engineer helps.
1: Look at how much work and money uh, you're talking about the mergers uh, yeah. in the lightning round. Look how much money goes into developing all these technologies. Where to tie you, it you, all together? Exactly. Yeah. You, you that's, to that's what a good writer yeah, exactly. does. Right? You expect that's to sit genius. down and understand what's wrong with your car in like an hour or a half. Are you? Hour? Yeah.
0: People are not experts at your job, so why should you think you've got to
1: be an expert? There at you theirs? go. There we go. Hmm. I don't come to where you work and knock the corn dog out of your hand. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds back. like a good place to work, though. Back. I
0: think that's a good way to wrap this one up, too. Uh, if our audio engineer, Jim Bigwood, has picked himself off the floor, he'll get ready for the closing credits. Our podcast creator, once again, Bob Mixter. And you've heard from Patrick Lucas, our podcast producer, hey, and the guy Perhaps with the bell, much. who rounded out this MotorWeek podcast number 123. Zero, Go ahead and hit it.
1: All right.
0: Make yourself feel better. That felt good. I felt good. To all of you out there, that thank you very much for listening. Be sure to watch MotorWeek on all your local public television stations and even pick up the phone and contribute to them once in a while. Also, all of our friends over at the Velocity Cable Channel, we're <laughs> delighted to be there as well. I'm John Davis. On behalf of all of us at MotorWeek, thanks for watching and listening to MotorWeek. You have been listening to the podcast of MotorWeek television's original automotive
1: magazine.
0: MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, and by DieHard. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch MotorWeek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.